At Life Tree Community Church, we believe that we are the church. It's not a building, a program, or a tradition. A church is people. You and I are the church, and we have influence. We have responsibility, and we have the honor and privilege of being called God's church. Each of us is part of that church, and that includes you. All right. Now, I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. I believe that is page 831 in uh in those Bibles there that are in your seats. Again, if you don't have a Bible, um, please feel free to take one. Take these. I love buying Bibles. If you want to give them to a friend, take one, give them away. That's what they're there for. So feel free to, to do that. Um, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to begin by uh, reading our scripture verse that we've been exploring for the past few weeks. This is sort of our verse for the year, Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 42 through 47. And uh, this is the last week I'm going to make you do it, I promise, but we're going to read through this together. So if you'll, uh, if you'll read this with me, um, that would be great. So here we go. Everybody ready? It'll be on the screen so you can read along. Here we go. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Finally, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, you've done this before. This is how you began the early church. I ask you to do it again. God, would you develop in us, Lord, a hunger to learn, a hunger for fellowship and communion, and finally, Lord, a heart of prayer. Lord, would you build that in us? And Lord, as we commit ourselves to these things, Lord, would you multiply your church? Would you grow your church? Would you let new lives come to know you? I thank you and we commit this to you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So again, they committed to these four things, uh, which we've been exploring the last few weeks. They committed to teaching, right? Because they are new people in a new day. Right? We've never lived in this day before and we're different because of our relationship with God. And so I need new revelation. I need new information. Because I need to know, I've never been in this day before. So I need to know how to live here. So they need. So they committed themselves. They devoted themselves to teaching. They com- devoted themselves to fellowship, which we said is the highest form of relationship. Now, you've got all sorts of friendships and casual relationships. Listen, life is about relationships. Yes, life's about relationships. I did a funeral yesterday, right? For someone uh, we we don't know. I've been. I've done funerals throughout my entire. I've done a. I did, I've done a lot of funerals. And I can tell you the measure of life is relationships. You can tell a lot by the funeral. I've done funerals where they're, right, they couldn't find a space big enough. Right? My Anna's grandfather, 500 people, 6,000 people, I don't know, it was huge. It was packed. I've done funerals for seven, seven or eight people that are there. And nobody wants to talk and they just want to get out of there. And so do I. <laughs> it's, it's awkward and uncomfortable. Relationships are the measure of life. And fellowship is the highest form of relationship. It's giving to each other fully. And finally, and then communion, which is confirmation of that relationship. And then finally, prayer. Today we're going to talk about prayer. I need prayer. 
No, no, really, like, I need prayer. Like, right now, I need prayer. You can pray for me right now. Um, like, I've not needed it before. Okay, please, please pray for me. Because the Eagles and Patriots are in the Super Bowl. Okay, I need prayer. Um, I don't know what to do. I want them both to lose. Both of them. Um, some of you don't care. You really don't care. I envy you. I really do. Um, because either way, I'm going to be upset. I'm going to be really angry. Um, but, I, but I've been really praying about it. I think I've got some clarity on this, and it's okay. Um, I think my disdain for the Eagles is greater than my disdain for the Patriots because I'm in New York Giants. So very clear, I can say this today with full confidence. I hate the Eagles. I hate the Eagles. Um, you can't convince me otherwise. Um, I know, I know. It's not, listen, it's not personal. I just don't like anybody on their team. Um, as a Giants fan, I'd have to turn in my card if I rooted for them at all. Some people say, listen, you should, how can you root for the Patriots? I'm not. I'm just rooting against the Eagles. That's just, I've really, listen, it's, it really had to work this out. Um, they're the enemy. I've made up my mind. Um, I really have. Like, you can, I can go back. This has been decades for me, generations, right? I, there's, listen, if you're an Eagles fan in here, I love you. I love you. Um, but I've made up my mind. Um, I cannot be persuaded otherwise. To be honest, one of the Eagles is actually raising money for wells in Africa. It's like this incredible cause. It's a great charity. I'm sure it's great. I can't give any money to them. I'm terrible. I know it. You can do it. You should do it. You should support him. I'll give money to you. You can give it. But I can't do it myself. Okay? I just can't do it. I've made my mind up. And if you know me well, you know I'm not joking. <laughs> like, I have problems. I have problems. You can ask my children. They say, Dad, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? I'll say the Giants. But Dad, they're not playing. I know. I'm holding out hope. Holding out hope. I don't ever root for anybody but my team. I'm just, that's it. Um, you ever try and deal with somebody who has their mind made up? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You ever try and change somebody's mind whose mind is made up? Good luck. Good luck with that. You should just take your time and put it in the toilet and flush. Because that's what's going to happen. You can't change somebody who's got their mind made up. Have you ever tried to convince a child that candy is not a good choice for dinner? Really. Have that argument. See if you win. Their mind is made up. You will. It's, a, it's an exercise in futility. You will not do it. I try to convince my dog that holes should not be dug in the backyard. Doesn't matter how many times I yell at him, he comes out like this, brown all over his nose. And he knows, but he's not going to stop digging holes because his mind is made up. These are worth digging or that squirrels are worth chasing, right? They're just going to go for it. Um, my dad, who's not here today, so I can talk about him openly. Um, I may have told a story before, I don't know. We, we grew up in Lawrence and some of you know on Route 1 in Lawrence, there's a Stewart's Root Beer. Stewart's, okay. Um, any ever been there? Been to that Stewart's? Okay. So, I love Stewart's. I like hot dogs. I like root beer. It's a great mix. Like, I'll go to Stewart's. So, we were going to Stewart's after church one day. And um, it was like, this is going to be a good day. We're going to Stewart's. I love it. You know, put the, the, the tray on the window, right? It was going to be really cool. We're going to eat in the car. It's, it's great. Um, and as we're about to pull in, there was like, you know, parking lot. We're about to pull in. Somebody did a pull through. 
and like, so there was like two spots. They pulled through and they parked in the spot my dad was going to park in. Oh. Well, you would have thought that, you know, they deeply offended his mother. So we left. Just park somewhere else. I can't believe. My dad has never gone back to Stewart's. That was like 25 years ago. Dad, can we go to Stewart's? Nope. I'm telling you, you want to try an exercise in futility. Try and talk to that man about going to Stewart's Root Beer. He will not do it. It had nothing to do with them. It was a customer. Doesn't matter. They, they want somebody like that buying it. I'm not going. I'm like, oh my gosh. When your mind is made up, it's virtually impossible to change it. It's true even when you wish you could change somebody, even for serious things. You ever try and, maybe some of you, you try to get a family member to come to church on a Sunday morning and try to convince them that it's worth getting up early on a Sunday to come to a service. And you're, you know that you are facing the impossible. Or maybe you've tried to have conversations with a coworker about faith and God and you know it's just not going to happen you know, there are people all over, especially in New Jersey, people have strong opinions. And you know when somebody's got their mind made up. I mean, you can just go on social media and say something and see if anybody can try and change their mind. Really, go ahead. See if you'll change their mind. Right? It doesn't happen. But don't worry, this is not a message about despair. This is going to be a message about hope eventually. Um, I'm not saying that there's hope I'm going to root for the Eagles, so let's just put that to rest now. Not going to happen. You can pray. I dare you. Go ahead. Um, but there is something, something that the early church did that helped them stare down the impossible in their life. Because the reality is you've got impossible things in your life. Everybody in here has impossible situations. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a circumstance. A situation. Maybe it's a diagnosis. Maybe it's an addiction. Or a family member, a loved one with an addiction. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's something in your marriage. I don't know. But I can tell you that there are impossible situations all throughout this room. And it's nothing new. Jesus has always been a polarizing figure. See, the church in Acts, they couldn't change anybody's mind about Jesus. If you ever try to convince somebody to come to church because you're trying to talk to them about God and you know their mind's made up, you know that it's just, you're just not going to get there. You can't argue somebody in. Either they believe or they don't believe. And the same was true many years ago when Jesus was around. It didn't matter how clear it was that something extraordinary was happening, that people were getting healed, that all this, I mean, miracles were in front of them. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. Some just refused to believe. And two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, there's a story, we're going to, just a few chapters later in Acts, where they're actually out trying to, trying to convince people, trying to talk about faith and things about Jesus. And they're having this conversation in a public, in a public setting. And uh, what, as they're doing this, a man who had been lame, he couldn't walk, a lame from birth, is there. Peter and John walk by him. He's like asking for money. They're like, we don't have any money, but we'll give you something better. Get up. The guy stands up, like, just stands up, and he walks, and people are in awe. This is like, mind blown, right? And the Jewish leaders were not happy. The religious leaders, people who were really religious, because religion was about control. 
And they didn't like this disruption to their, to their control. So they arrested Peter and John and threatened them, stop talking about Jesus. And Peter simply said, I'm not gonna. <laughs> I can hear it in like my, my niece Jane's voice. Like she's, she's like four and she's just strong-willed. I'm not gonna. Like, not, not angry, just not gonna. And Peter and John, well, and they, they didn't know what to say back. They were like, well, we said stop. So, so stop. And they sent them out. And they were like, that's it. Because they had no power over them because they knew they couldn't punish them because the people were like, they just, this guy was, he's walking. And so like they didn't want to cause a riot. So they just let him go. And uh, so we pick up that story, Acts chapter 4, and it's going to give us an, some insight into how they handled these impossible situations. Acts chapter 4, verse 23. It'll be on the screen uh, behind me. It says this, as soon as they were freed, as soon as they were let go, Peter and John returned to the other believers, back to the church, and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. They told us to stop, and we said we're not going to. Isn't that funny? When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. So here's the setup. This is the beginning of the prayer. They kind of pray this prayer that says, God, we're going to orient you to the situation in case you don't know God. So um, it's kind of funny. So they say this, O sovereign Lord. Creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago, as if God doesn't know, by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? They continued to rebel and resist and reject me. Why are they doing this? God, you said that. Verse 26, the kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and his Messiah. People have always been resistant to you, God. You know this. In fact... Verse 27, this has happened here in this very city. Here for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. In summary, what they're saying here in this opening part of the prayer is this. The world is resistant to the truth, and that makes life complicated. Why are people so stubborn? It seems impossible to change them, but we know that you're in control and that gives us hope. That's what they're saying right here. That's what they're saying. Continue the prayer. Verse 29. Here's where they get to the heart of it. It says, and now, O Lord, oh, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. They told us to stop. So God, help us to not. Help us to not. Okay. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In summary, help us do what we can and do what we can't. God, we're willing to do whatever we can and we recognize there are many things that we can't do. So we welcome you to do the impossible. Make us bold You heal the sick. You do the miracles, God. And here's the outcome. So they pray this. This is the same. They pray this. And here's what happens. Verse 31 says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, like literally shook, like earthquake shook. Oh, I mean, wouldn't you like to be in a prayer meeting where when you pray, the ground literally shakes because you are disrupting the natural order, because there's so much divine work that you're moving God. 
The place shook and they were all filled with this Holy Spirit. God's Spirit invaded them, just saturated that place. God showed up. It says, then they preached the word of God with boldness. It happened. It says, and all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. Sound familiar? It's like they continued to do this. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them. Because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. It eradicated needs. The church had no needs. They're telling, stop preaching. They say, no, God show up. God shows up. They're filled with power. And guess what? They're all, all their needs are met. This is incredible. So in summary, God showed up in brand new ways and they received what they asked for. They were changed and then God was released to be at work. So very simply here, the impossible was made possible. Here's, here's the point I want to say today. Prayer makes the impossible possible. Very simply, prayer makes the impossible possible. The church in Acts, this early church, they couldn't change people's mind about Jesus. So they prayed, and people's minds changed about Jesus. It says the Lord added to their number every day. They just grew and grew. People kept having their minds changed, not because of they were so smart, not because they were so... Uh, wise or powerful or great or kind or did a lot of community service, but because of the power of God was at work doing the impossible. See, for us today, there are still people who don't believe. Perhaps you're here today and you're one of them. I don't know. I'm not judging. It's okay. If that's where you are, own it. If you go, I don't know why I'm here. I don't believe any of this. This is all hocus. Okay. Great. I'm glad you're here. And I promise I won't try to convince you because I never could. I could talk all day from here. I could preach a thousand sermons and not convince anybody. But I have to warn you, I have been praying for you. And I believe in a God who changes hearts. So buckle up. It's not a threat. It's a promise. I believe in a God who, because I believe in a God who loves you more than you know. And a God who cares about you more than you know. And He cares more about you than your stubbornness. And perhaps you're here today and you've got somebody in your family, they're not here today, and you know that you have written them off as impossible. Or maybe there's a situation you said, that's impossible. You have, you have, you don't even pray for it because you don't believe it can happen. I want to change that today. I want to challenge your thinking and say, I believe in a God who's bigger than what you say he can't do. I'm asking God to do what perhaps we both believe is impossible. See, when we pray, it releases God to do what only he can do. Charles Spurgeon says this, True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise or a vocal performance. Sometimes we think prayer is a vocal performance or a mental exercise. It's just activity. It's, it's, it's the rocking horse, right? It's all motion but no progress. I just look busy, but I'm not going anywhere. We think that's what prayer is. He says, no, it is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. Mark Batterson, who I quote all the time, and I make no apologies for it, 
says, prayer is the difference between the best we can do and the best God can do. Prayer is the difference between the best you can do in a situation and the best God can do. It invites God to do what you could never do in the first place. When we pray, we're saying, God, let heaven break through and do something that is previously not possible. See, there are impossibilities in your life. We acknowledge that. We don't deny that. There are things that aren't possible. But I have no fear of praying for God to do the impossible. Actually, again, I'm going to quote Batterson. He says this, bold prayer honors God. And God honors bold prayers. God isn't offended by your biggest dreams or boldest prayers. He is offended by anything less. If your prayers aren't impossible to you, they're insulting to God. I don't think God's insulted, but you get what he's saying. Come on. God's saying, is that all you're bringing me? You're asking me to help you have a good day? I want to change eternity. I want to change the world through you. You're setting your sights too low. Why ask God to do what I already know is doable? The early church, they were new people in a new day, and they were changed, and the world around them was the same. And as amazing as life was, and as incredible as this new thing called the church was, and as incredible as all these miracles were, they recognized that they couldn't change a single person on their own. So they devoted themselves to pray. Because God could. Anything is possible. And I love their prayer. I'm going to read it again. This is such a good prayer. And now, O oh Lord, hear the threats. Hear the, hear the disbelief. Hear the rejection. Hear the people that doubt. And give me, give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. God, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Whatever your impossible situation, would you pray? Will you pray? We need to devote ourselves to prayer. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. Let me ask you, how devoted are you to praying? Are you just sort of going through and saying, God knows I'm not going to ask. Devote yourself to praying. It opens the door. Nolan Bushnell. Anybody know who he is? Nolan Bushnell. Some of you have, you will in a minute. He's the creator of Atari. Anybody remember Atari? Come on, play some of those, uh, yeah, the joystick, right? You know, the little button, right? You remember Atari. All right, kids, you missed it. Xbox has nothing, you know. He says this. He said this. said, everyone who's ever taken a shower has had an idea. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, it just happened. I don't know why. When you can't write anything down, right? Everyone's ever had, taken a shower has had an idea. He says this. It's the person who gets out of the shower, dries off, and does something about it who makes a difference. Right? Knowing that there's an impossible situation, knowing that you want it to change, and not praying is leaving your idea in the shower. It's not making a difference. We can be learning and growing and being a great friend to others and showing love, but if we don't invite God to the party, we're just wasting our days. Prayer is the difference maker. God changes us, and prayer now empowers us then to be agents of change. God's changed you, but he wants to make you an agent of change. Prayer is your opportunity to partner with God in making a difference. John Lewis said, without prayer, without faith in the Almighty, 
the civil rights movement would have been like a bird without wings. I believe in this, but if I don't pray, I don't actually invite God to do what couldn't... I'm telling you, prayer gives our faith wings. So what? So will you devote yourself to prayer? We're going to explore more in this year to come about prayer. We're going to talk about it throughout the months to come. But for now, here's one very simple, practical action step for you. Um, I want you to go home. Not now, but when you go home. Go in your bedroom and draw a circle. Pretend figuratively, draw a circle. If you want to get chalk and draw a circle, get a hula hoop, pretend like it's a circle, whatever you need to do. And get in the circle. Stand in it. Kneel in it, sit in it, whatever you want. And ask God, as you're sitting in it, to do the impossible. And to start with everybody inside that circle. Do you understand? God, start with me. God, would you do the impossible in my life? Because I promise, I know that all of you can think of something that's impossible in your life right now that you can't change and you wish you could. Are you praying about it? Are you inviting God to do what you can't do? And here's the thing. If you invite God to do the impossible in your life, it's inevitable that it's going to overflow onto other people. Because what happens in your life echoes in other lives. So do that, maybe even once a day. There's no magic words. Really, there's not. All you have to do is this. Just name the impossible. Put a name on it. Say, this is the impossible thing. And invite God to do it. God, do what you know to do. And God will fill you with boldness and with courage. He'll do wonders. He'll fill you with awe. When you invite God to do that, so you do what you know to do. And invite God to do what only He can do. I'm going to invite Nikki on up. And we're going to, again, I'm going to close in just a few minutes as I'm bringing this to an end. But that's one practical step you can take is to do that. Go home and just draw a circle, get in it, pray for everybody inside. The second thing, you can consider praying that prayer when you wake up in the morning. Go back to that passage, to that Acts passage, and literally pray through that prayer. Say, Lord, now hear their threats. God, hear the threats of the impossible in my life. The impossible is mocking me. It's saying, you can't take me out. You can't change me. You're going to resign yourself to living with me for the rest of your life because I'm not going away. Impossible things, they stand in front of you like a Goliath in front of David and they mock you. You can't change anything. God, hear their threats. Would you pray that in the morning? And give me, God, your servant, great boldness. Not in my own abilities, but in preaching your message. Your truth. That you can do the impossible. What if you, every day, you prayed, God, stretch out your hand today with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done in my life today. Through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. God, do that in my family, in my school, on the bus, in my office. God, today, do the impossible in my life. What, 
What do you think would happen if we invite God to do the impossible every day? Oh, man. I'm excited. I don't know if you're excited. I'm excited. I'm excited for this year. And I hope that somebody takes this to heart. Because just even inviting God, one person invites God to do the impossible, it's going to echo through this church, which is going to echo through this community. It's going to echo through every one of your families, your friends, your workplaces, the schools. And finally, the last thing I'm going to invite you to do. I know not everybody can do this. and Hey, we're going to just give an opportunity. It's something. Some of you can. Great. If you can't, I'm sorry. It's the best we can do. We don't own a building. But we're going to do a prayer meeting tomorrow at lunchtime. I don't know if you're available during lunch. If not, 12 to 1 right here. Right here. We're going to have a corporate time of prayer. If you can make it, great. If not, where you are, if you can pause, anytime between 12 and 1, join us and pray that prayer. I'm going to put that prayer up there. And we're going to pray through it. And we're going to invite God just to do the impossible. One, to convince us that it's even worth praying for. But two, then that when we pray it, he'll do it. I'm going to ask. So if you can make it, door's going to be open. We'll be here from 12 to 1 tomorrow. You want to come and pray with us? Come. Yeah, hopefully we'll have room for everybody. If you can't be here, join from where you are. But tomorrow we're going to be praying from 12 to 1. Even if you can take five minutes out of your day, ten minutes, wherever you are. Put on your put on your phone right now. Put a reminder. Life tree prayer. Monday, twelve to one. See if we'll do our part, God's gonna do his part. I have no doubt that God's good for it. We're new people in a new day. And if we'll devote ourselves this year to teaching, to learning, to growing. Because it's a new day and I've never been here before and I need new revelation from God. And if we devote ourselves to fellowship, we good? I lost battery there. If we'll devote ourselves to fellowship, and hopefully you did dinner. If you didn't do dinner, if you missed it last week, the homework was to Find somebody in here and schedule dinner with somebody else. Just eat together. Could be your house, could be out there. If you didn't do that last week, hey, another chance to do it today. Find somebody. Say, hey, let's go grab dinner. Go to Five Guys. Massimo, Centro. It doesn't matter. Go anywhere. Cracker Barrel. Go to your house. Have some hoagies. And if we'll devote ourselves to prayer, if we'll, if we'll follow this example of the early church and devote ourselves to these core things, God's going to do the impossible all through us. See, multiplication is miraculous. You can't make a baby. Now, some of you, no, listen, you can't make a baby. You think you know how to make a baby, but you can't make a baby. Ask the barren couple. Ask my sister who can't have kids. You can't make a baby. You can do what you can do, but God's got to intervene at some point. Multiplication, new life, has got to require miraculous. It needs impossible. 
And God only can do those things. John Bunyan said this as I close. You can do more than pray after you have prayed. But you can't do more than pray until you have prayed. This year, let's devote ourselves to fellowship, to teaching, to learning, to sharing together, to prayer. And if we will, I believe that God's going to bring about a multiplication miracle. New life in us and have new life through us. Best is yet to come, and I believe God wants to do it. Will we devote ourselves to prayer? That's our, it's my challenge. It's my challenge, personally, for me. I'm not pointing fingers. I need to grow in this. We all need to do this. It's just going to close in prayer. Nikki's going to play for a minute. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Right where you are, as we, as we close this morning. In your seat, where you are. Would you just name the impossible? Perhaps you need to admit that you don't think God can do anything about it. Say, God, I'm, I'm struggling to even believe that it's worth praying about. Just be honest. God can handle it. He knows anyway. God, this is the impossible in my life. But Lord, this is also the impossible that I'm not content with. I don't want to live with this forever, God. I want this to change. God, I want to invite you to do what only you can do. God, would you do what only you can do? We believe that you are the God of all power, of all goodness. And God, when you act, it may not look like I expect it to look. Your answer may not be what I was expecting, but your answer will be the best possible answer. So, Lord, accomplish the impossible, however you see best in our lives. And we'll know that it's you. Because we could never have done it. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.